Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas in the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I'm joined as always by Jihei Wiley, Armani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch. How are we doing? I am great. I just wanted to say shout out to my cousin Bridget. I do not shout out family members often, um, but she is serving in the military and um, it is her birthday. So happy birthday, Bridget. Yeah, that was it. Happy <laughs> Other than birthday, that, I'm great. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Bridget. We love to hear that. There wasn't that many sports on last night. So I think you guys have heard of it by now, but everybody's talking about the Chris Paul news, which what a. <laughs> What a, Arash, have you, you didn't really react. Have, did you hear about the Chris Paul news? Have not. If you can, uh, no. if you can. Uh, no. let, it's let, let... Wait, 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 wait. It's subsequent news to other news that has to deal with Kanye earlier from today. All right. Let's, let's, let you know, let's put it, let's put it out there, you know, for, 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 for folks listening and driving <laughs> around. What is the Chris Paul news? Kanye West uh, released a tweet um, late last night that said that apparently Chris Paul had relations with Kim Kardashian. So <laughs> the Internet <laughs> has completely lost its mind and everybody has uh, jokes about it. And I would have I was shocked that you haven't heard of it by now. But Lob City era looking back, what a what a fiasco that was looking back. Wait, what? You know what, though? Good for her for finally getting like an A-lister. An A-list basketball player instead of a B-list, D-list basketball player like she normally has. So good for her. Good get for get her. yours, Kim. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, listen. Okay, so now I'm. I'm uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Now I get it. I get it. The whole Chris Paul uh, with the <laughs> two-zero. By the way, yeah, I I covered a lot of these series. It's pretty amazing. Okay, so Chris <laughs> Paul series losses with a two-zero lead. I mean, two-zero. Fairly commanding lead again. You know, a team has to effectively, you know, win four or five games there. Um, Western Conference semifinals against the Mavericks uh, in 2022. This year, the NBA Finals against the Bucks. I forgot that they were up 2-0 in that series. 2021 first round against the Blazers in 2016 covered that series. First round against the Grizzlies in 2013 covered that series. And Western Conference semifinals against the Spurs, two thousand eight. Yeah, pretty amazing. Oh, by the way, he, I, mean, I don't know when he was with Kim Car- or what. Wh- I don't know to what extent <laughs> this happened. Uh, obviously, listen. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's scandalous on a variety of levels. But when you consider Chris has obviously been with his. Uh, you know, wife since college and they have uh, kids together. So, wow. Okay. Did not know that. 
did not know. That. But this makes, whoa, whoa, by whoa, the way, whoa. though, this makes this makes sense, though, guys. This makes sense why he's choked Paul Central. This uh, totally cool. makes sense now because he has the Kardashian curse on his hands. Well, well, well. We also are. I we don't know if this is a thousand percent true. Kanye's no, been a little bit off his marbles recently. Absolutely, but it would still make sense. It makes sense that he has never won hey, a title. It, it makes sense. Ex- it'd be another excuse for a person that just does not show up or step up to the plate in the playoff series. We know that Devin Booker's averaging, what, 35 points per game since he broke up with Kendall Jenner? Yeah, but you know what? Did, does he still have a ring? Does he still have a championship? I like, mean, does, he isn't might that... get one now. He might get one now. Well, this this coming from this cracks me up though, Brandon, because this comes from a guy who says that they're gonna choke come playoff time, like they normally That's would. They still have Chris Paul on their team, but now I might I might change my mind because if it was the Kardashian curse <laughs> and now he doesn't have it anymore, Chris Paul's not not seeing Kim and Devin's not seeing Kendall. They might actually get to the finals and win them. The other part of this that everybody's talking about is. Where did Kanye get that picture of Chris Paul? Because it looks like a yearbook picture, but then That's you right. look up yeah. and there's like some old guy above him. So it's a very like, where did that photo come from? Wait, people are so uh, maybe he actually meant to take a picture of the old white guy above Chris Paul, <laughs> but yeah, people are Dalio. I don't know who Dalio is, but yeah, uh, yeah. So I was just like now catching up on all this, you know, Kanye basically. Yeah, it did, yeah. By the way, of all the pictures he could have taken, yeah, I mean, this does look like a poorly cropped picture from a yearbook photo of uh, Chris Paul, and it, it doesn't even have Chris Paul's full name. It just says, you know, Paul under, uh, <laughs> you know, Chris Paul. And I, I really don't even know where he got this from because it's like Chris Paul isn't even wearing. Um, <laughs> is it wearing like a uniform? Like it, this is, is not from a program or for like like a media guide. This, yeah, I've I have no idea. This is crazy. Oh, so are we? Just, are we not going to talk about the non-related sports Kanye news from earlier? Oh, God. we'll refrain from that. We're a sports show. Let's just not. Let's just say uh, it's very tough to make Alex Jones disgusted <laughs> by you. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's move on from Kanye. Um, all right, listen, I am in Las Vegas. Big game uh, today, Pac-12 championship game. USC is playing Utah. And uh, listen, this is the game that a lot of USC fans wanted. This is the game that I know that they're, they're not going to say it publicly, but for sure, Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, and USC wanted. When you only have one loss on the season, and you can avenge that loss and leave no doubt that you are, you know, that you don't really have any losses because, again, a lot of USC fans thought that they had that game robbed, whatnot, by the officiating. Listen, none of that matters at this point. They win. They're in the college football playoff. Uh, Brandon, we talked about USC at the beginning of this season. We thought this would be a good season. Listen, I thought if they played in the Rose Bowl, and I still would think that right now. I mean, the, the fact that they are one win away from not only being in the college football playoff, but having Caleb Williams hoisting the Heisman Trophy. I mean, this season has exceeded all the expectations we could have possibly had. Absolutely. I mean, uh, people that followed Caleb and Lincoln last year at Oklahoma knew this kid was special. I knew when he was, you know, the coveted transfer that they got that he would completely change the team. I think we both 
agreed before the season that this would be a ten, about a 10 win team, nine or 10 wins. Um, you know, that would be nine and three or 10 and two. And they go to the Rose bowl. Like that was, that would be an, an still an insane turnaround. But at this point we're going into, they lose that game at Utah. We think they're done for the CFP. Crazy stuff happens in college football. Now they have a chance to really see if they're win, they'll they're in the CFP because the committee's already shown that they value USC being in the conference championship more than Ohio state, not both with one loss as indicative of last week's rankings. So, I mean, this is going to be a crazy game. I, I think a lot of USC fans are underestimating what Utah can bring tomorrow. Not us, obviously, because we've seen Utah play, but a lot of people think this CFP is in the bag. This Williams thing is in the bag for Heisman and it, it, it the Heisman might be in the bag, but USC winning this game is certainly not in the bag. Utah is has been uh, has been USC's kryptonite a lot of times in recent years and yes a Michael a Michael has texted us and he's going to be on in the second segment but mentioning that this these are two different teams right and he mentioned that to Lincoln Riley and the presser as well and Caleb if they wanted to see Utah or not these are two different teams so we don't know what's going to happen I just think that USC fans shouldn't underestimate how close of a game this is going to be Regardless of what happens, my question to you guys <clears throat> is obviously year one of Lincoln Riley has exceeded expectations. What does that mean going into year two? Does that make it maybe more attractive of a destination now? Or So, Brandon, I'll take this first, you know, because you've always been the one who said they'll be good this season. Next year is the year that they win the whole thing. Um I think when you look at what USC has done this year, this is the, the blueprint in terms of if you want to be at a school that can really put you on that platform of, you know, getting commercials, getting big deals, getting, again, Caleb Williams's commercial is on Sundays. He's, he's not playing on Sundays yet, but his face is surrounding every pro football game that you're watching. Again, uh, the, a big part of this is can this program help me get to the next level? And you know, Caleb Williams is sort of that blueprint again. But the big thing in preparing, and you could touch on this the defensive side of the ball. USC's defense is actually pretty good in terms of being a bend but don't break defense. Again, 48, 45. You know, though, despite giving up all those points, they're going to make that final pick, that final turnover, that big play to win them that game. Next year, I do think you'll see a lot of recruiting in terms of saying, hey, we got Caleb Williams coming back. We got the Heisman Trophy winner coming back. Help us be a lockdown defense and help us be the best team in the country. No, absolutely. And I know I've said this um, for a while, but Caleb was going to be the best prospect and best player in the NFL to come out of USC. I said it earlier this year on the podcast. I'll stand by it. We still don't know. He's, you know, he's obviously not going to be in the NFL for two more years. And Palmer had a good career in the NFL and, Leinart had a couple of good years uh, at the quarterback position and Darnold's still playing, although hopefully Caleb's better than Darnold at the NFL level. Um, but look, I do still think that this is an audition for next season with the, the core that's coming back. Obviously, Addison will leave. There's a couple of key pieces that will leave. We're going to need to continue to dominate the transfer portal and get defenders through there because a lot of times when you're recruiting freshmen, Corey Foreman, 
looked lost as a freshman. He was the number one defensive recruit in the country when he was at SC. And obviously at Clay as a coach, um, not, not Lincoln Riley last season. But I think it's going to have to be done in the transfer portal, and it's possible. But I do think I still stand by it. I think they do win the national championship next year. But we kind of, if they win this game against Utah, we kind of have to start talking about, hey, they might win the national championship this year, despite their defense. And the one game, Arash, and you can attest this, the one game they didn't get that turnover, they didn't get that pick. Which game was that? The game they lost. Yeah, they needed one pick and they couldn't get it. Right. No, no doubt about that. And I think that's why this was the game that, that, that they circled, that they wanted to play again in terms of the number of yards they gave up to the tight end, the number of big plays that they gave up again. They think about to talk about the officiating all they want. At the end of the day, poor clock management, poor defending, did not make the big plays down the stretch to win that game. They have a chance to avenge that tonight against Utah, Las Vegas, sold out crowd. It should be rocking. I kind of... I don't want to view this as their bowl game, but listen, if they play Georgia, I, I really don't expect them to win that game. I hope they win that game. I, I hope it's a good game. Um, but again, uh, this is sort of like the culmination of, you know, Caleb's Heisman um, season, an amazing performance by USC if they were to hoist the Pac-12 championship trophy. So we'll see what happens. But by the way, hey, if they find a way to win that semifinal game, the college football playoff national championship game will be played right here in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. I mean, so how crazy is that? That they have a chance to effectively have a home game. Um, we do have to kind of switch gears a little bit here to talk about the Lakers, what's happening with them. Uh, you know, get, get a blowout victory against Portland, but it just it, it, it's still not exactly what they want to um, deal with, you know, post game. I, I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this quickly. Yeah, you know, as we try to read the tea leaves, LeBron James, you know, kind of going to bat. And I don't know if this is really going to bat, but the whole Kyrie, G Jerry Jones, you know, again, LeBron basically going after reporters and saying, hey, you asked me about Kyrie. Why didn't you ask me about Jerry Jones? You know, and of course, the my response, and I think the response of most people is, what, like, A, you played with Kyrie. You're kind of attached to Kyrie, connected to Kyrie. A lot of people think Kyrie may come uh, here to Los Angeles. Your guys' thoughts there. Again, Kyrie's kind of front of mind still with him. I mean, do you, I mean, do you think that that does that mean anything? Uh, Armand, you want to go first? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I think with him kind of going out of his own way to just bring up the subject of Kyrie, obviously he was doing it to talk about Jerry Jones. The timing of it with the Matt Ryan waving and all that, if you want to get conspiracy as to what the Lakers are doing with their roster, that's one way to look at it. My initial thoughts on this was what you said, Arash. I didn't understand... I understand LeBron's frustration and obviously the frustrations of many black people in America uh, with the coverage of issues such as this. I just didn't understand the context from that setting, because as you said, the Kyrie questions make sense. The Jerry Jones one would have kind of been out of left field. Should somebody have asked it? I guess it makes sense what LeBron is saying, but 
I also understand why the question wasn't asked. So that's my two cents on it. Well, also it's, it's like, uh, it, hats off to LeBron because he brought it up and then it was talked about nationally again. It was kind of put under the rug um, on a lot of national shows. And it's definitely a topic to talk about. And LeBron's always standing up for, you know, the black community and trying to bring up stuff that needs to be heard. And I get his frustrations and Armand, you're right. He still talks about Kyrie a lot. It's one of those things where it's like, does he want him? But the Laker fans don't even want him anymore. If you're just looking at Twitter, they they don't want they don't want drama. They already had Westbrook drama. They've gotten past it, even though Westbrook could still get traded. There are talks about none in Beverly, a package with them. But you know, until a trade happens, it's, the Lakers haven't made the trade. We've been talking about a trade for what? How many months? And they still haven't made it. So I don't know when Rob's going to make this trade, but. Dave McMiniman keeps saying it's, you know, there's it's there's an imminent trade in the future, but he's been saying that, and all reporters, not just him, it's not just Dave, have been saying that for, for months, even Shams and Woj, right? Well, yeah, real quick, uh, you guys both touched on it. The waving of Matt Ryan and freeing up a roster spot, what does that mean? Armani Buckets, you go first because you mentioned the conspiracy theory. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Well, Shams pointed it out. December 15th is the day that the players that were signed this past offseason can be traded. So it sounds like if you're reading tea leaves, a probable two for one type of deal is on its way. But again, Brandon, you just mentioned it. We've been mentioning trades since God knows when, since what, April, May, June. And we're still here talking about it. So I'll believe it when I see it. Absolutely. I'm in, I'm in that mindset too. I think this is a precautionary measure by Rob Palenka to prepare if they're going to go in that direction on December 15th when these new players become available. By the way, a lot of people knew the date right then. They've been playing a lot of 2K. They know it. And the, my, my GM, December 15th, you're trying to sign a guy and trade him and get rid of that contract. You got to wait till December 15th. That's how I originally figured it out when I was like 14 playing 2K. But uh, in all seriousness, yeah, I'm with Armand. We keep thinking it's an imminent deal, and it looks like the rust is on hold, and it might be the Nunn and Beverly deal that happens first. But is there even a deal going to happen? What happens if they go in and they beat Milwaukee tonight, and they go in and win a lot of these road games? And you're like, well, the team chemistry is good. I don't want to mess with it, right? Last couple of minutes here. I mean, mean, how crucial as we are here in the December 2nd, beginning of December is this month. Because, again, if you're going to make a trade and you're going to say, hey, listen, we, we we believe there's a glimmer of hope here. We believe there's a sliver of a window here for us to, to win. How big is this month? I mean, how big is how they perform in these next few games if they actually go all in, put the chips in and say, we will make a trade right now? I think it's a crucial month because the schedule is as brutal as it's probably going to get. You have a six game road trip on the East Coast playing very good teams at the beginning. And at the end of the month, it starts with Christmas Day in Dallas. And that's the start of another five game road trip. So 11 games on the road. I mean, it doesn't get any more crucial than this. They're eight and 12. The time to get back in the race is now because if it's not now, it's probably never. Yeah, and they should be able, uh, just adding on to that, Armand brings up a good point. They should be able to win uh, a majority of games in February or January, you know, when the schedule gets a little easier. 
But it, will that be too late? I really want to see them go 500 at least in these 11 road games that Armand pointed out. Maybe that's asking too much for a team that still has a lot of clear issues and no shooting. But, uh, you know, I want to see him be 500. Yeah, I mean, because here's, here's the thing. I mean, the only reason that you make a, a trade, in my view, you know, is if you really believe that you have a chance to compete for a championship, I don't think you make any. And again, when I'm talking about a trade, they're for sure going to make some kind of a deal. What I'm talking about, and Rob Polinka talked about this at the beginning of the season, this is really about those future first round picks because they are already at a position right now where they're either not making the playoffs or they're a play-in team. Those are high draft picks. So you will part with those picks if you believe that you can win a championship now. Do you part with that pick to put yourself in a position to maybe be a play-in team? Do you part with those picks to maybe put yourself in a position to win one playoff series? I don't think so. But listen, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that and some more. When we come back with uh, Michael Duarte, our good friend Michael Duarte of the Sporting Tribune, when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 and AM 760 in Hawaii. By the way, the home of your USC Trojans in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game, in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, joining us now on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. By the way, I am here in Las Vegas. Uh, checked out Circus Sports. It's doing amazing. You guys all have to check it out at some point when you're out in Las Vegas. Joined by my, my main man, Michael Duarte. Michael, how are you? Rush, I am good. I will be joining you in Vegas very soon, but, you know, it's been so long since i've come on your show i I didn't think you didn't like me anymore no listen i we can't uh, we can't do what we do if it's not with without michael duarte the glue that holds the sporting tribune together uh my friend las vegas we 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 hoped we thought our usc trojans we both graduated from there so we we can say that would find their way into the pac-12 championship game but obviously this game is a lot more significant then we really thought it could be at the beginning of the season. Um, we all thought USC would obviously be improved this year. Uh, they are top four. They are in the driver's seat to be in the college football playoff. Caleb Williams in the driver's seat to win the Heisman Trophy. Paint the picture. I mean, uh, it has to be one of the more significant games 
over the past, I don't even know, 10 years or so. Again, Michael, if they win, USC advances for the first time in program history to the college football playoff. Arash, this USC season, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, has been more satisfying than hot cocoa on a cold winter night. Uh, the turnaround that has happened from last season, four and eight, empty Coliseum, uh, fans upset, boosters upset, to the day, which was almost a year ago today, that Lincoln Riley stepped foot at the, you know, at the top level of the, the Coliseum roof with the hairstyle in the background uh, announcing that he was going to bring USC back to glory. Little did we know that in less than 365 days, less than one year, he would have them essentially one win away from the first college football playoff uh, in USC history since they went to the college playoff four-team format. Uh, Caleb Williams has been the white knight showing up on his on his uh, horse victory coming in here and absolutely ascending USC Trojans to levels that we had hoped for uh, under the previous regime, but have obviously gotten this season. And so in Caleb's hands, we trust the rush. Uh, I know you were at that last game against Notre Dame, a game that I thought could potentially be a trap game after that UCLA game. Uh, Notre Dame coming in hot uh, as, as a Kentucky fever, riding that five-game winning streak. Their defense was stout. They had the best running attack in, in, the, uh, in the college football landscape. But USC shut that down, held him to 17 points. And obviously you got Caleb uh, doing the Heisman pose there. I was absolutely thrilled. So to paint the scene tomorrow in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium with another torch uh, in the end zone. So you, at least USC has that going That's for right. Him, right? Two torches in the end zone. Yeah. But I think, I think they say it's not a get-back game. They say this is not a revenge game. But these guys have been on get-back all year for what happened last year to this year. This is a revenge game, and here's a chance to... Uh, avenge a game that you lost by one point because of a two-point conversion and some bad clock management, and let's face it, some bad Pac-12 refereeing. So on a neutral field, under the bright lights of Sin City, uh, I can't be more excited for this, knowing that a win uh, and you're in, and maybe we're facing Georgia. I don't know. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, there is no doubt that they view this as a revenge game. I don't care what those guys say. When you've only lost one game all year, and you finally get the, that that team again. Again, the one question players don't ever want to talk about is, who do you want to play? Listen, they wanted to play Utah. We were sitting right next to each other, uh, like at Petco Park, during uh -huh. the Dodgers of Padres playoff series. There's, there, there's no doubt they want this game again. Again, bad officiating, bad game, bad clock management. I will say this, though. Caleb Williams had himself a fantastic game. So, it, again... I really think at this point, Michael, he doesn't have to have a fantastic game. And I really don't even know if it matters if they win or lose. I, I really think he's locked up the Heisman. Touch on Caleb. Again, uh, he kind of needed some things to go his way. All Heisman trophy people who've won the Heisman need that. They need sort of like that those last couple of games to go their way. I mean, back when I was in school, Carson Palmer, when he won the Heisman, he was not, he was nowhere near a Heisman favorite going into the last two games of the year. Beats a fantastic UCLA team at the Rose Bowl, has a fantastic game against Notre Dame at the Coliseum. USC is back in the top four. Then lo and behold, Carson Palmer wins the, the, um, the um, Heisman Trophy. I don't think it'll be close, Michael. I mean, your thoughts on Caleb? Well, so, yeah. So first on Caleb, I mean, 
you you compared it to that that Heisman campaign that that um that Carson came in and he kind of stole it late. I agree, but this to me is more like Reggie Bush, uh, in the sense that you know he was in the conversation the whole time, but really late he ran away with it in dominant fashion. And I saw your tweet uh, on that 19 yard run where he probably scrambled 40 yards, broke about four sacks, six tackles uh, in that Notre Dame game to really seal it late in the game. Uh, and you said you know every. Every Heisman Trophy winner has this Heisman moment, and this is his. I saw that, and I, I agreed with you, but I also felt like he has five of those moments at least throughout the season. He has a handful. You can pick a ton of different moments where he's done things like that, and that's why I say to you, uh, in, in Caleb, we trust in this game because really USC would not be here without Caleb. Uh, this is not a... a, a this is not necessarily a dominant USC team with all the skill positions like we had back in the heyday where there's just an NFL player at every position and you know they're the better team out there. This is a situation where you have so much faith and trust in their quarterback that he can make plays with his feet. He can make the right weed with his arm. He only has, I think, three or four interceptions on the entire year. That's the best touchdown to interception ratio in the entire country. So to me, like, you don't get here without Caleb and you don't win it without Caleb. And he is the, the guy that can give you a chance to potentially go to the national championship game. Should you win and advance? And that's simply because we've seen guys like Cam Newton, Marcus Mariota uh, in the past where a quarterback Vince young against USC back in the day, a rush where a quarterback who is a Heisman winner with that skill set can single-handedly lift his team to, to those aspirations and heights. Now I think what's great about this is, and to, to your point about the revenge game, I'm the one, I don't know if you caught the post-game press conference, I'm the one who asked Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams after that game uh, against Notre Dame, you want Utah, right? You want Utah <laughs> for the revenge. And they both quickly were like, we don't care, we don't care. And yeah, you don't care because you just want to get to the Pac-12 championship, win that game, get to the college football playoff and, and have those higher goals. But I can tell you they did. And, and what Lincoln Riley said about that was was interesting. Was he said these are not the two same teams that met in Salt Lake City earlier in the year. No. They've changed, and USC has changed. And one thing I look at is in that game that we watched that you said at Petco together in the press box, Dalton Kincaid, uh, an All American tight end for Utah, went off in that game and absolutely killed USC. 234 yards and a touchdown. He dominated them. The only other tight end they've seen at the same level as Dalton Kincaid is Michael Mayer for Notre Dame. Yeah. And for the most part, they kept him in check until that final drive when he got his second touchdown. So I think USC and Alex Grinch, who's the defensive coordinator, are ready for this game and ready to stop Utah. And on a big field like this at Allegiant Field and the turf and stuff, uh, I, I think they're going to be a very, very explosive on offense. And, and I agree. I don't think this is going to be a back and forth game like we saw in Salt Lake City. I think if USC does what they've done now the past few weeks, uh, they should be able to win in convincing fashion. But, you know, crossing my fingers right now, hoping and praying and knocking on wood as I say that. And Michael, to add to that, Kincaid in that same game, 17 receptions, almost unheard of, 17 receptions. So if you want to go an over-under tomorrow, six receptions, <laughs> Dalton Kincaid. 75 yeah. yards. I mean, they'll be able to keep him in check, but I don't know about that much. Yeah, He's going to get you know, his. I asked Alex Grinch about that after the, the win over Notre Dame, and he was talking about how it took a lot for the defense to buy into the bigger team goals throughout the course of a season. You get a lot of guys who come in who want to get 
get great plays and highlight plays on tape so they can get that to the next level in the NFL. So you have to cohesively as a group buy in. And also you have to have your horses. And he looked specifically at at Gentry, who who just came back off an injury, played prominently in that Notre Dame game. I expect to see him on um, Kincaid a lot in that game uh, and, and do whatever they can to, I guess, make Utah play left-handed, right? Don't let them go to their dominant strengths. Don't let them play their strengths. Let them play to their weaknesses, and that would be eliminating Kincaid and let somebody else beat you. So, yeah, I, I think I think they learned from that first game in Salt Lake City, and they should be better this one. Absolutely. I hope you're right. And as much as I want to continue to talk about our USC Trojans, Michael, I wanted to ask you this because I'm one of the, I, I wouldn't say few people, but there's there's a fair percentage of us that uh, believe that Alabama has a stronger resume than Ohio State should USC lose. And I hate saying that because, you know, America wins when Alabama loses is the consensus around America. But two losses on the road versus, you know, close losses versus an embarrassing loss at home by 20 plus points. And I know it was Michigan, who's very highly ranked, did not have their star running back, by the way. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that because... How, if you're the college football playoff committee, hopefully USC doesn't lose and we never have this conversation, but should they lose? Do you, or do you agree with me? Do you think Alabama should be the fourth team in or would you still put in Ohio State to, despite an embarrassing effort? So, so I don't agree with you. Well, I do agree with you, but I don't agree with you. And let me explain that. And you're right, because Michigan had a Heisman tr- uh, Trophy candidate uh that didn't only play two snaps in that Ohio State game, uh, and and that could have they, they could have won by a lot more than what they did. Now, granted, Ohio State's plan was to take the run away, and so Michigan just beat them with the air. But um, to to your point, Brandon, I think the only time that I remember since the college football fourteen playoff format came into existence that a team that did not play in a conference championship got in by virtue of one of those teams losing was Alabama in two thousand seventeen. And of course, they went on to win the national title that year, proving that, you know, you don't necessarily have to play in a conference championship to be a champion. But that's a rare, rare situation. And I have seen some articles out there. I have seen people talking about it. Uh, I have been talking about it to as loudly as I can with my megaphone that this year in particularly looking at the landscape, it's not a one lost Alabama. It's a two lost Alabama. Uh, and I just don't think Alabama this year is as good as that 2017 team, um, which I believe only had one loss going into that. And I don't think the one loss Ohio State is as good as some of the other teams in here. So I would I would be in the vote that if USC were to lose you know, knock on wood, hopefully not on Friday. If they lose close, if they lose in similar fashion on a two point conversion at the end of the game where they've proven that, you know, they were maybe winning most of the game like they did in Salt Lake City. If that would be the case, I would would make the case for the four teams that are playing right now, uh, ranked one through four to stay in that. Now, they can change based on what happens in those conference championships. But to me, for USC to be punished for playing in the conference championship game. Uh, by losing a very close game and then having Ohio State, who didn't even play, or have Alabama with two losses, who didn't even play, jump them. I just don't think that's fair this year. Obviously, uh, each year is different circumstances. But I, uh, because of that one-point loss in overtime to Utah, and if they lose again, you'd be like, hey, this is the team that has your number. I think that, uh, in my opinion, I agree with you that Alabama should should jump Ohio State to get in there because losing by, what was it, 20-something points, to Michigan at home. They ran away with it in the fourth quarter. You could not stop them uh, in the passing game, which is their weakness, compared to uh, Alabama, 
who I believe lost two very, very close games. And, and, you know, they were, I think they were on the road for both of those games. So to me, uh, Alabama, in my opinion, is a better team than Ohio state. And if you're just looking at it on purely who's the better team, if you do have to push USC out, uh, then I would say Alabama should jump into that four spot. Michael, I wanted to shift the focus to the Lakers. Um, <clears throat> they're currently sitting at eight and 12. What I wanted to ask you about is their upcoming December schedule, because there are 16 games in December. They start the month on a six game Eastern conference road trip, and they end the month on what's going to be a five game Eastern conference road trip. Obviously at eight and 12, you have to pick it up at some point. If you want to come, compete for anything this year what would a successful month look like to you given their hard schedule yeah armani um you know you're taking my material away from me right now so i think the lakers are going to really really regret that loss to indiana at the buzzer which which was a great game i was there for it live a lot of crazy things happened i saw a woman drink out of a prosthetic leg <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw a guy hit a half court shot to, to win the jackpot for the first time in over two years. And then the next day they hit it again, which is just crazy. Uh, and then they but, cut Matt Ryan. <laughs> and then they cut Matt Ryan after that, which is crazy. He's the, he's the only three point shooter, I believe, on your team shooting over 38%. And you need three point shooting, but you get rid of him. But I'm hoping that there's a bigger move coming up or something coming up uh, to show us why they did that. But you hit my talking point, which is you're sitting here at eight and 12. And the crazy thing is, uh, I believe you're just like, uh, I think, three and a half games out of like the three or four seed in the West, even as bad as they've played and as low as they are. Uh, and then you're only four and a half out of the two seed. So you go on a quick winning streak like they've been on, win four or five, five or six, and you're right back in the conversation as far as the playoffs. And to me, Armani, the way they've played over the last two weeks or so with finally figuring out your team dennis schroeder back uh thomas bryant back uh russell westbrook coming off the bench and looking like the sixth man of the year uh ad being healthy lebron back and healthy they now look like a playoff team not necessarily the best team not the team that's going to win the championship but outside of boston and milwaukee no one's really running away with anything here in the nba but to your point you're eight and 12 you got to get back in this and you just lost a game that you were up 17 with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. And now you go on this six-game road trip. And it's not just a six-game road trip in the East, Armani. It's a six-game road trip where five of the six teams are currently playoff teams in the East, including Milwaukee and Cleveland, who are top four, Toronto and Philadelphia, who are very good teams. I have them going two and four on this road trip. I think three and three would be great if they can get out of it. And then anything above that would be considered a success. So to me, this stretch that you're talking about for the entire month of December, just keep your head above water because towards Christmas and at the end, you get Charlotte, who's not very good. Uh, you get Orlando, who's not very good. Uh, you get a couple gimme wins in there. And so far, knock on wood again, the Lakers have shown by beating the Spurs three times, um, and beating Detroit and some other teams that they can win the games that are gimmies that they need to win, uh, which they weren't able to do last year, I might add. So if they can continue to do this, they haven't played Houston yet. That should be a couple wins for them. They haven't played Oklahoma City. There are some teams that they haven't played yet uh, that are, you know, not very good teams, not going to be playoff teams out there, uh, you know, late in the season that could help them boost up their, their standings and their records. So to me, this is going to be a very tough month. 
I don't expect them to come out of it with a 500 record, but if they can keep their head above water, not fall two out of those playoffs, still be where they are right now, three to four games out, I think they can make a push in January, February because the schedule lightens up then. Michael, uh, let's close out with the Rams uh, because their, se- their season's essentially closed out, right? Uh, they, they, they got Seattle at home on Sunday. They got the Raiders uh, on Thursday. Uh, listen, last couple of minutes here. No Matthew Stafford on Sunday. No Aaron Donald. No Cooper Cup, obviously. Uh, perhaps no chance to win. What's gone wrong this season? And again, loaded question, Michael, with two minutes left. What what do they have to do? Uh, again, this season is a wash. I mean, can they be a contending team next season? Yeah, this is a great couple questions here, Arash. So a couple things to say here. First of all, the Rams, let's face it, they stink worse than a gas station bathroom right now. But, you know, there is hope on the horizon. The biggest thing, first and foremost, is that you just won the Super Bowl, right? So regardless of what happens this season, you won the Super Bowl at home at SoFi Stadium you know, we all got to feel that exaltation. Football is a very violent, difficult, tough game, and injuries happen. We saw it the last time they missed the playoffs when they had Jared Goff and and an injury-riddled, broken offensive line. They had that again this year. My big thing was in the offseason, you go get Allen Robinson and you trade out Robert Woods. Uh, You go draft Tutu Outwell a couple years ago. You built areas that weren't necessarily on the offensive line, but this year – from the get-go, you just had horrible luck. Um, somebody asked me, Arash, on, a, on another sports talk show, who has more hope for the future? And the future being in the next two to three years, the Rams or Lakers? And my answer was the Rams because they have the core all signed, locked in for a long period of time. As you said, Stafford, Cup, um, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, all of them are locked in for the long term. They do not have depth, and that is what has shown this season. When injuries come out, you, you might as well toss in the season because you just don't have the depth behind them for a player to plug in and play and still be a dominant force. So as long as they can stay healthy, you have that core around them. Unfortunately, they have a top-five NFL draft pick this year that's going to go to the Lions, so uh, that doesn't really help them. But if you can do anything to get better, you can do so. And people say, well, they don't have as much draft capital as the Lakers maybe down the road. But you know what we've seen in the NFL, especially look at that Russell Wilson trade. If the Rams wanted to trade, say, an Allen Robinson, if they wanted to trade uh, a Jalen Ramsey, for example, you can get three, four first round picks in return and really reboot this well if you want to hit the reset button. But I think they're going to try to get some offensive line help in the offseason uh, and draft with what they do have in some later round picks to add some of that depth. So Kiss this season goodbye. Maybe the Chargers can can pull out a, a wild card playoff spot. Uh, but the Rams are done for this year. But I think they have the core in place to be successful in the future years. I agree with you, Michael. All right. We'll uh we'll have a good time here in, in Las Vegas, my friend. I will see you soon. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.